0: Um, first of all, is anyone having a problem with their hip, specifically their right hip, kind of right there, Um, kind of a burning sensation? Is that anybody? Anybody online? All right. Well, we're going to pray for that in a minute. And then the second thing was I got the word confusion. And I'm actually at a point in my life where I'm not as confused as I once was, so I'm guessing that was for somebody else. So I don't know if, um, if you're dealing with any kind of confusion in your life, uh, but we want to pray against that. Uh, and, and I'm not going to ask anyone to raise their hands, but um, just tap into this prayer here when we, uh, hear in just a moment. And the same if you're watching online and that applies to you. So, Father, I just thank you for these words that, uh, that you've given me, and I pray that um, we would be able to come against those things in the lives of whoever uh, they're directed at, that you would immediately, right now, heal any pain in either the right or the left hip of anybody who's uh, in attendance here or who's watching online. We just ask for a total healing. In Jesus' name. And for anybody that is uh, dealing with confusion, whether it's just confused about what to do in general or confused about a decision that is before them, Father, I pray that you would clear that up, that you would speak very clearly to them right now in the midst of that confusion and just clear all that away and that, that that decision would become just readily apparent to them. So we thank you, and we ask all this now, in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, okay. Uh, We did have uh, someone respond online that said, their right hip is out of alignment. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I just pray for that individual that uh, that hip would come perfectly into alignment that there would be no more pain that it would just pop back in and uh, they would be able to have full range of motion and be able to move walk bend and do all the things that life requires with no pain so it's thank you lord and ask this now in jesus name Amen. amen all right well, before we kind of pray over our offering today, I want to look at a passage uh, from the second book of Corinthians, the second letter actually, and the scripture is this. Corinthians nine eleven says, "You will be enriched in every way, so that you can be generous on every occasion, and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God." Now, if you kind of if you look at that, that's actually a progressive word, right? Each section of it sort of progresses to the next one. The first action is you will be enriched in every way. So the Lord will enrich us in every way. That's what it says. So um, does that mean that we just can go out and buy whatever we want? Well, I don't think so. That's really not at all what that says. The Lord will enrich us in every way and that will produce the resulting action of so that you can be generous on every occasion. Right? So we're enriched so that we can be generous and then when we're generous it produces the very next action which is will result in thanksgiving to God. So to summarize God is generous so that we can be generous and then together those things result in uh, thanksgiving and praise to God. And so just you know, think about this, that you know we've all been enriched in some way. And so it's during this time that we get to practice that generosity. And so uh, we just pray that that all ends up resulting in this uh, massive amount of praise and thanksgiving to God. So let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for your faithfulness We thank you that we can always trust in you. You are an abundant God, and out of your great love and mercy, you have given us so much. As an act of our heartfelt gratitude, we give you our tithes and offerings. With them, we worship you and acknowledge your blessings upon us. Please now take them and use them for your kingdom and your glory. Extend and multiply their reach and influence. May they be a great blessing to many. We ask all this in the mighty and the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Two words, six letters, three apiece. Linguistically, pretty insignificant. But spiritually, more powerful than any of us can imagine. But God. Life's setbacks are temporary, but God's love is permanent. The devil tempts us to bring us down, but God tests us to bring us up. Circumstances may appear to wreck our lives and God's plans, but God is not helpless among the ruins. If you just read through your New Testament and see how many times human resources have been brought to an utter end, despair has gripped the human heart. And pessimism and gloom has settled upon a people. And there's nothing that can be done. And then, see how the Spirit of God writes in luminous letters, but God. And the whole situation changes into a victory. We're looking at one such example in the New Testament today. A passage from Paul's letter to the Ephesian church. His first three ber- verses present this hopeless humanity trapped in sin under Satan's power and completely unable to save itself. And then follows those small but glorious words, but God. Behind those two words lies a cosmic plan so huge in scope, so vast in love that the human mind cannot fully comprehend it. All we can do Is receive it. So let's read. This is from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. And you were dead in the trespass and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh. Carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By His grace you have been saved, and raised us up with Him Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Pretty powerful stuff. And the main point of this verse is really pretty easy to figure out. We were dead in our trespass and sin, but God brought us back to life in Christ Jesus. Now, being brought back to life in Jesus is a wonderful and a miraculous thing. But don't you ever wonder, why didn't God just leave us the way we were? Why didn't God just leave us in our sin and trespasses? You know, with all the times that, all the things that he did for the nation of Israel, you'd sort of think maybe he'd just gotten tired of doing that over and over again. yes, I forgive you, yes, I forgive you. But the answer to that question is what Paul tells us in those last seven verses. God could have left us dead in our trespass and sin, but God is rich in mercy and grace. But God loves us with such a great love. and But God has good works for us to do. That's why he did what he did. So let's look into those each a little bit more. First, this idea of God being rich in mercy and grace. See, not, see God is not simply merciful, you know, whereby in our sort of thinking about it, he shows pity to those that are totally unworthy and undeserving. God is rich in mercy. Now, to be rich in something means to be abundantly supplied or abounding in. I don't know if you caught this in the news, but just last Thursday, there was a news item that said, at the close of the stock market on Thursday, Warren Buffett joined a very, very exclusive club. He became one of a select few of human beings in the world with a net worth of 100 billion dollars. Now, see, that's difficult, if not downright impossible for me to sort of wrap my head around. <sighs> you know, I grew up in the, in the day when, you know, old Jed was a millionaire, and that was a big deal, right? <laughs> he got to move to Beverly Hills because he was a millionaire, This is a hundred times a billionaire. But see, as rich as Warren Buffett is in dollars, it doesn't even compare to the richness of God's mercy. So God doesn't just have enough mercy that he's got to kind of ration it out. You know, just a little bit here. Mercy. A little bit over here. He doesn't do it the way I always imagined the guys uh, with Jesus' Sermon on the Mount when they were handing out the loaves and the fish. You know, when they started out, they're probably not real sure what's going on, so they take a little bit of bread. Okay, you can have a bite. You can have a bite. And then eventually they kind of realize, wait a minute. This is not going anywhere. So they start breaking off bigger and bigger pieces. Well, God doesn't doesn't start out that way. He's not worried about it running out. He's rich in it, which means he can lavish it on people. And what does Paul say about how these riches play out in our own lives? Well, first it says he made us alive with Christ. So our sins have made us spiritually dead. There, that's what has separated us from God. But the resurrected Jesus overcame that spiritual death in us. And so God lets us share in Christ's life, and in so doing, caused us to no longer be separated spiritually from him. Why give us life when we deserve death? Because we earned it? No. As Paul would say, surely not. We deserve the death we got. We're alive because God is rich in mercy and grace. The second thing is that he, raises, he raised us up with Christ. It came, that life in Christ came, because we experienced Christ's resurrection in the spiritual realm. We were raised from our sin and death and given opportunity for new life. And third, he he seated us with him in the heavenly realms. Now the significance of being seated with Christ is much the same as being seated at a head table at a banquet where there's all kinds of other important people. It's a privilege and an honor to be seated there. And it sort of marks you as one of the important people. And so thus God, who is rich in exhibiting this mercy and grace, acts on behalf of sinners and does all of that. But again, why? Just because God has all these riches doesn't necessarily mean he has to share them. I mean, I don't see Warren Buffett handing out million dollars to here, here and there. But why does God do that? Well, and that's the next point because he loves us with such a great love. God also acted on behalf of humanity because of his great love, not just because he was rich in this mercy. There was a reason behind it, and the reason was love. And Paul uses a very specific Greek word for love in verse 4. We've talked about this before, I think, where we mentioned that the English word has one word for love and that one word for love can mean a whole lot of different things. We can say that we love a person, we can say that we love cake. It's the same word, right? You just sort of have to interpret what that looks like based on the context. But the Greeks had all these different words for love. And they all meant different things. And so Paul uses this Greek word agape. and Agape is really referencing a divine love. It's a selfless kind of love that seeks the absolute best in other people. And while God could have simply destroyed all people because of their sin, he chose instead to show mercy. And the reason why is because he loves us. He loves you. Kind of like the thing with the hundred billion dollars. Have you ever really tried to wrap your head around that? That the all-knowing, all-powerful creator of the universe loves you personally. Sinful people, and that's you and me, can't even approach a holy God. But God extended his love to us knowing that only he could give us salvation. And it's that kind of love that is indeed great and truly beyond anything that we can ever comprehend. And then finally, he has something for us to do. That God has good works for us to do. Now, are these things that we're supposed to go out and do out of our own strength and effort? No, it's not what it says. What's portrayed here is absolutely just the opposite. God has prepared for each of us a path of good works that cannot be accomplished by our efforts alone, but only by his effectively working in us. Essentially, Paul's telling the Ephesians that God has prepared a path of good works for believers and that they would perform these works in and through them, that God would perform these works in and through them as they lived by faith. Thus, we don't do a work for God. Instead, God performs his work in and through us as his children. And because they're God's good works, because God is at the, at the helm, so to speak, then none of us can boast about it. When we're doing things for the kingdom, we can't turn to someone and say, hey, look what I did. It doesn't work that way. It's look what God did. So not only does he change us into these radically new creatures, he also wants, us, he also wants to use us as display cases for his artistry. See, according to this verse, we're his workmanship, his masterpieces. That would be a pretty arrogant claim to make about ourselves if God hadn't already said it. That statement also carries some significant implications about how we ought to see ourselves and how we ought to treat one another. I think it's a matter of looking at every situation that you encounter, that you find yourself in, as a potential good work, and then walking in that. Phil Strout, who's uh, the uh, National Director of the Vineyard, made a comment once that really sort of stuck with me. He was talk- telling a story about a woman who was in a grocery line. She was like, someone was checking out, and she was standing right behind and the woman who was checking out ended up not having enough money. I don't remember the details, whether she'd left her wallet or just had gotten more things than she had the cash for, but she just did not have any, enough to pay for her groceries. And so the woman takes out her wallet and pays for the rest of it. And he raised the question, he says, now is that woman that paid for the groceries, is she out doing grocery store ministry? Or is she simply present in a moment when God decided to work and she stepped in to do what he had put her there for? That's what we're talking about here. It's about walking in the works that God has already put in place for you to do. Have you ever heard the expression that when you see a turtle on a fence post, you know he didn't get there by himself? (laughs) Well, in a very real sense, Paul's telling us in this passage that we are turtles sitting atop fence posts. How do we get up there? Well, certainly not by our own strength or By our cleverness or our perseverance, on our own, we could never do it, but God. Put there, by the love and the grace of God, we have all experienced firsthand what those two small but glorious words have accomplished in our own lives. Turtles on a fence post. Today we're just two weeks away from Resurrection Day or Easter when we will celebrate the ultimate but God, the physical raising of Jesus from the dead that enabled our spiritual resurrection that we talked about today. Now wouldn't it be great if two Sundays from now when we offer the invitation to follow Jesus that in that moment, seated here or perhaps watching online, all of a sudden there are 10 more people sitting on a fence post. That only happens if you bring them or if you encourage them to watch online. Could we all just now agree that we wanna try and make that happen? Make it a point to invite someone, a friend or a relative, to come with you to our Easter service. We're starting a new series on Easter, and it's called Fake Truth. And you have postcards that are on your seats that uh, talk about that series. And the reason we're giving you these is it's an easy way to invite somebody. Uh, There's a little write-up about what the series is going to cover. And then there are all of the sermons that are part of this particular series, starting with the one on April the 4th, which is Easter Sunday. And so we encourage you to take one, if you see some on empty chairs and you want a couple more, take those. We, I have plenty. And I can get more just like that. So, you know, take these and use these as a means of giving this to someone. So it's something kind of tangible. It's a reminder to them. That, oh yeah, I was going to go to that church on that Sunday. And then invite them. And offer to pick them up. And if all else fails, we are having a breakfast buffet before the service, so if you need to bribe them with food, that'll work too. Say, so you you I'll, I'll, I'll buy you breakfast and then bring them here. <laughs> See, by ourselves, all we can do is get 10 or more people in the vicinity of a fence post. In this analogy. We can get them close. And the cool thing is, but God can do the rest. Let's pray. Lord, we we come before you in awe of what you have done for us. For that position that we find ourselves in on top of a fence post. For when we examine the truth of our own situations, we know that there's no way we could get there by ourselves. And so we offer up to you our greatest thanks and praise for doing for us a work which we could not do for ourselves. And we come now together to celebrate that event, that defining moment in our life of faith when Jesus made this possible, when he went to the cross and took all of that sin upon himself and caused that curtain to tear. And the separation between God and man was no more. And so we recall that on the night that Jesus was to be betrayed, he took bread and he gave thanks and he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples and he said, Take this all of you and eat, for this is my body given for you. And then he took the cup and again he gave you thanks and praise. This too he gave to his disciples and he said take this all of you and drink. For this is the cup of my blood, the blood of the new and everlasting covenant, the blood that was shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of your sins. So whatever you eat of this bread or drink of this cup, do so and remember me. Father, we thank you for these simple elements of bread and juice and for the powerful reminder they provide to us of the sacrifice that you made on our behalf. We ask that you would bless them now, that you would consecrate them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, that they would become for us truly your body and your blood in a meal that both refreshes and renews us. We just give you thanks for it. And we ask this in Jesus' name. The body of Jesus, given for you. And the blood of Jesus, shed for you.
1: amen we're going to move into our ministry time so if you have any need whether it be physical mental financial spiritual we want to pray with you i know pastor john is in here somewhere right he'll be back there um i'll be up here find us we'll pray for you for anything you may need actually on um, pastor jeff we after i came up and told you um we had another hip <laughs> and I show up so we're going to pray for that um, wasn't it I think it was Darlene right Tictor. so we're going to pray for that um, as well um, but would you just bow your head let's just listen to the Lord for a moment Watch this today or you're in this room right now and maybe you feel like you want to be on the fence post God is more than happy to set you on that we're the only church that wants you to be on the fence but we do because that's the life God doesn't want you to live a life of toil and struggle and confusion and having to do every single thing yourself and making everything work. He wants you to live the life of a child of God, of an heir, the life where you can know that no matter what, your father has you and that he will come through. And you might feel like you don't deserve that and you haven't earned that and there's too much messed up stuff in your life, but that's simply not the case. So this morning, if you wanna be a child of God and you said, I've struggled through my life, I can't climb the fence, I can't get on the post. What are you waiting for? All you have to do is say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I accept you as my Savior. (laughs) And he'll come into your life and he'll clean you up. Father, we lift up Darlene's hip, Lord. Touch and heal that right now in Jesus' name. Lord, we love her and you love her. And Lord, we know that there's always compassion when there's healing. So Lord, we know that you're going to do that. So right now, in Jesus' name, we command that hip to be totally healed. Father, for the confusion Pastor Jeff prayed for for someone, we just command that confusion be lifted. That if a decision needs to be made, that it would be made in Jesus' name. Father, for anyone here that needs prayer, Lord, I pray that you'd give them the boldness to ask for it. Father, bless your people today. Thank you for the spirit that was in our service today. Father, we're believing you that our best days as a church are ahead of us, that a great harvest is coming. And that we are going to see signs and wonders and your spirit move like we can't believe. And we love you and we honor you. And we praise you because you're the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Thank you, Jesus. And all God's people said amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week.